to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. In our series, The Way, which is to wrestle with the question, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And it centers around three things. We should be able to say them now. To be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does. And the first of those, um, to me, is really my life message, to be with Jesus. And so a few weeks ago, I preached what I consider to kind of be one of the most important messages. Um, It's called With Him. It's on the website if you missed it. Um, But our first calling as disciples is not um, to work a job and save money and go on vacation. Our, Our first calling is not um, to uh, get degrees and make money and, and, and even to serve our families well. All of those things are good. Our first calling is to what? To be with him, to be with Jesus, to know him, to learn to hear his voice, to, to be with him in prayer, to be with him in his word. That is primary. Don't let that baby distract you. That's my baby. So that is anointed fussing. That baby is beautiful. She's got a little croup right now, so Kathy's just gonna go spank her for her. (laughs) Spare the rod, you know what I'm saying? All right, the title of my message is A King's Ransom. A King's Ransom, will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you're here in such a dynamic way, God, that you inhabit the praises of your people and that when we sing to you, God, you just come and you refresh and you renew and you restore. We just, we lean into you, Holy Spirit. We yield to you for these next few moments, God. Would you overshadow me in all of my weaknesses and my imperfections, God? You know how much I need you for these next few moments. Would you open our ears to hear, God, and give us eyes to see, Lord, spiritual eyes to see what you're saying and what you're doing, God. Help me um, deliver this word. We, we need you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, a king's ransom. We're gonna pick it up in verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And listen to this part. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a 100 times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. There's a lot in there, and I wanna just start from this premise. You can take a deep breath and relax. This is not a sermon where I'm gonna try to get you to give me money. It's not a sermon on generosity, okay? We talked about that last week, and it was one point of the message. If you missed it, go, go, to, go to the website, and we talked about that, but that's not the heart of, that message, of this message. And, and this week, as I prayed into the text, I started wrestling with that, the question. What's the question behind this series is, what does it mean to be a disciple? And I felt, the Lord, I felt the Lord lead me to this text. And it was one of those where I was like, no, God, 
Anybody ever read a text of scripture and it kind of makes sense to your brain, but you're like, I have no idea how to apply this. Anybody? Now, there's probably some guy, I don't know, you maybe you've been reading some of those Old Testament Psalms where David was talking about like crush their teeth and like pound them into the sand, okay? I hope you're not praying those, all right? If you're praying those, we have a session on anger with Pastor Stan where you can iron that out. That's not the verses you should be praying, okay? But I was on a bit of a journey this week as I wrestled with that question, what does it look like to be a disciple and what does it cost? And this is somewhat of a puzzling interaction between this, this young man that he has with Jesus. And my prayer is that like this young man, that some of us will have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus this morning. Are you ready to unpack the text? Say yes. yes. Back in verse 16. Then a man came up to Jesus. Now, in Matthew's gospel in the NIV, that's a really short sentence, but if you read the other gospel accounts, we know that this is a rich, young ruler. A rich, young ruler. And he asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, his posture's important, and it's not mentioned in Matthew's gospel, but in Mark's gospel, it says he ran up to Jesus and he fell onto his knees, okay? And that's important to note, because if he's a rich, young ruler... He's rich, and he's young, and he's a ruler. (laughs) But let's put it on, I know, that's revelation right there, but if we put it in our context, okay, this would be like a Silicon Valley CEO, okay? He's got a personal trainer, he's got a personal chef, a personal assistant, he's got money, he's got power, he's got influence, he's living the dream, right? So how many Silicon Valley CEOs are running up to teachers and falling on their knees and asking questions? And a Middle Eastern man that was rich didn't run for anything, okay? He had servants that ran ahead for him. So for him to take this posture, it speaks to his heart and his humility. So he asked the question, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Okay? So we know he's young, we know he's rich, we know he's a ruler, and he's living the dream. And from this account, okay, if he's reached that point in the Jewish society, he's a very religious person. He's a moral person, okay? He's like Tim Tebow. Okay? He kind of did it all right. He was a youth group kid. Okay? He got good grades. He, he made it to the top of his, of his sphere of influence. Okay? And maybe he went and started his own thing and now he's a CEO and he's got influence and he's got money. He rocketed up the ladder. He's the top of his class. But he comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet because he's confronted with the most common ache of the human soul. The proverbial itch that cannot be scratched. Something is missing. The prophet John Mayer wrote a song about it. I'm dizzy from the shopping mall. I searched for joy and I bought it all. It doesn't help the hunger pains and a thirst I'd have to drown first to ever satiate. Something's missing and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is. No, I don't know what it is at all. I was going to sing the whole thing, but I need the band behind me. And the prophet Bono, the prophet Bono had a similar song that he wrote. No, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? So the rich young ruler is confronting the great heartache of humanity, This is my first thought this morning if you're taking notes. The great ache of the human soul has only one remedy. The great ache of the human soul has only one remedy. I mean, how many people in this room, you like killed yourself to get a degree? Or maybe you're you're a self-starter in the room and you started a company and with your own blood, sweat, and tears, you built that thing up and you poured your life into it and you made it success? Some of you had a dream in this room. Maybe it was a calling from God to start a ministry, man, and you just poured your whole life, your whole family into that thing, and you built that ministry. And then you got there, all that momentum in your life, and you got there, and you were like, okay, what do I do now? 
I can remember finishing nursing school, and nursing school is, is kind of difficult. <laughs> I remember hours and hours of lecture and, and study because I couldn't retain information in this brain, and I had newborn baby twins, and hours of clinical rotations, and doing things that I never thought that I would do in nursing, and all this, all this, all this energy, and then I remember graduating and taking that evil NCLEX that was like demonic, that test, and, but I passed the test, and I got my nursing license, and I stepped in the first day, and I was like, meh. So whether it's a degree or the family that you dreamed of one day having or that dream job or that dream house, there's a longing in the soul that can never be satisfied apart from the one who breathed that soul into existence. And maybe you're the person in this room that you've never really met Jesus. You might even be a church attender. You might know more verses from the Bible than me, but you've never really met him Look at me, another raise, another promotion, another accolade is never going to quench that thirst. It's never gonna ease that ache. There's an ache that can only be erased by knowing the one who actually knit your soul together in your mother's womb. Resting, knowing Resting in the one who breathed life into you. It's the starting point when we started this whole series in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest. So a rich, young, powerful ruler, he meets the real Jesus, the real Jesus, face to face. And he's coming with humility. He comes and he drops to his knees and he's asking a couple of really important questions. What must I do, teacher? What must I do? What do I lack? Now right away though, Jesus has to redirect this thing. How many know that when you meet Jesus, he's gonna kind of change the framework of some of your questions if you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so he says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. Another translation says there's only one that's good and that is God. So Jesus is doing this thing where he's gotta basically like pull the rug out from under him a little bit just so they can have a real conversation. It's kinda like, remember the woman at the well? He says, he asked her for a drink of water and she's kinda like, why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew and I'm, you know, you guys don't talk to us. And he said, if you know who you were talking to, you'd ask me for living water. You remember that account? So it's the same thing, okay? Jesus is adjusting the whole conversation because the rich young ruler actually comes with the right posture. He falls on his knees. He's asking some, what I believe are sincere questions, but he comes like a lot of us come at first. And we think, we think that this whole thing is something that we can like learn the principles and once we learn the principles, we can just do them and that will equate to right standing with God. If I can just be taught, if I can just learn enough, if I just get enough principles, I can finally get it. And I've heard this kind of teaching over and over again, like, like, you know, sort of a smugness from the pulpit. Like some people, they just don't get God. But listen, friends, you've heard me say this before. You, you can't teach this. Like I'm teaching now, but Christianity is not primarily a teaching religion. It's all supernatural. It's meeting Jesus and the life of Jesus comes into you and you're a totally brand new person. That's Christianity, amen? <laughs> It's all supernatural, it's all supernatural. So he flips the conversation, he says, why do you even say good? What he's telling him is, you don't know who you're talking to, I'm good because I'm God. I'm the answer to the itch. I'm the remedy for the ache, he's telling him. I'm the remedy. And 17b, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Look at your neighbor and say, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. This is a little bit confusing. This is Jesus. Now, most people in this room, you've been at this a while. Do we gain our salvation and our eternal life through keeping the commandments? No. no. Pastor Stan, that's a loud no from Pastor Stan. No. But Jesus leads out with that. What is he doing? He says, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. And he gives them the list. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't, don't lie. Honor your mommy and your daddy. Love your neighbor. He says, all of these I've kept. 
And, you know, I've heard teachers kind of pick this apart and say, well, he's a liar because he didn't know what he was talking about. I think in the moment he meant what he said. Like, there's a lot of us in this room, wherever you're at on the continuum of faith, like, you're trying to do this thing, right? You don't have it all figured out, but to the best that you know, you're, like, trying to, like, follow Jesus. Amen? Amen? And that's, when I see his posture, the fact that he ran and he fell on his knees, and I, I believe he was sincere. But Jesus has to flip the conversation, okay? He's not telling him that he can be saved by keeping the commandments, But listen, when you meet the real Jesus, he's gonna have to disassemble some things in your heart. He's gonna have to take some things apart from your upbringing, from your church background, from your lack of church background. He's gonna have to disassemble some things so that he can get right to the heart. And what Jesus is doing is he's confronting the religion and the legalism that this guy has grown up with and taken in with his mother's milk. He has to deconstruct his whole framework for approaching God. This young man is a ruler in Jewish society. That means he has the first five books of the, of, of the Torah. He, he has them memorized, okay? And he's got, some, he's got some swagger in his culture. And he's highly esteemed among the Jewish people. He's a Pharisee. But, but unlike the other Pharisees, remember the questions that they asked him, like, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're always trying to get the hook in Jesus, right? Is it lawful to pay Taxes to Caesar Jesus, they're always trying to trap him. This wasn't a trap. This guy saw the, he saw the void in his soul and he came to Jesus with the right heart. But he's asking, he's asking the wrong set of questions. And listen, this same misunderstanding is alive and well even in this room. Good teacher, what must I do? What do I lack? It's my next thought this morning. Activity and addition are not the currencies of heaven. Activity and addition are not the currencies of heaven. Why does yelling at people make me so thirsty? (laughs) Activity and addition are not the currencies of heaven. The rich young ruler, see, he's used to checking off the boxes, right? Okay, I I give this much and I do this much and I don't say those particular words, especially not that four-letter word because that's the really bad one. There's many people in this room. I'm trying my best. I signed up for a team. I try to come every Sunday. I came to the prayer meeting. What do I have to do? What, what do I lack? What else can I fit in? I don't have any margin in my life right now. I'm maxed out right now, but what else can I say yes to? Let me say yes to the next thing, the next church thing, the next, the next, you know, the next thing. I don't have any margin right now. I'm maxed out right now, but I can, what do I lack? What can I add into my life so that God is gonna be okay with me? But the answer is not in more doing. The answer is not in adding another thing. The answer was standing right in front of him, looking at him in the eyes. And listen, the answer this morning, he's right here this morning. He's right here. The answer is not more activity, but more true rest. The answer is not more of your striving, but more of his presence. The currency of heaven is not more of your effort, but more of God's mercy, more of God's grace in your life. The answer is more of Jesus. The answer to the ache is knowing Jesus, belonging to Jesus, the assurance that you're saved, the knowledge of him, knowing that you're a child of God. This rich young ruler had found that all of his riches and all of his power and all of his strength of his youth left him wanting. What do I have to do? What do I lack? But activity and addition are not the currencies of heaven. And I just want to counterweight this a little bit and just say that the hallmarks of the kingdom of God are not passivity and inactivity either. Okay? I've never known somebody who's really hooked up on Jesus that's like a couch potato. Okay, everybody that I know that's really connected to Jesus, like, like th- who's intimate with Jesus, they are like captivated with the advancement of his kingdom. They are like, they burn for the things that, 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 that Jesus burns for. They're really, really concerned and caught up with seeing lost people come to Jesus. They're really, really consumed about seeing people that are broken come to being whole and being healed. People that are really hooked up with Jesus, like they, they, they tend to care a lot about the orphan and the widow and the people out on the fringes of society. In fact, most people that I know that are really, really hooked up with Jesus, they're often misunderstood by people, even their families sometimes, okay? I mean, I remember when I got saved, 
I, I, I was at a, like a sales job in this office and there was a guy and he and I like, before I got saved we had a lot in common because he was like a functioning alcoholic and I was, I was a cocaine addict. So like we had this weird like, you know, like we'd fist bump, like yeah, we're jacked. Anyway, and <laughs> so I got saved, like really saved, on fire saved and I remember one day sitting back in this little, this little fishbowl area, you know, and, and he was like, man, what happened to you? You used to be normal. You used to like party and chase girls and now like you don't, you don't even talk about girls. And I was like, actually there is this one girl, her name's Kathy Golan and she goes to the youth group. That woo is right. <laughs> and I married her. <laughs> I actually had lunch with somebody like a week ago who used to be in the youth group and at the end of the lunch he goes, last thing, he goes, I can't believe you married Kathy Golan. <laughs> I was like, bro, I know. I d- I d- <laughs> no idea how that happened. <laughs> And I'm, now I'm totally lost. Activity and addition are not the currencies of heaven. Oh my gosh, we gotta run, we gotta roll. Pick it up in verse 20. He says, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? So Jesus is about to go deep. He's about to go deep, friends, here we go. Verse 21, Jesus answered. Now there's, oh, there's one line missing here that, that, was, that was in um, Luke's gospel, and it said, I wish it was in Matthew's account because it says that, that when he asked the question, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. And I know like my little Judah will ask me crazy questions usually about superheroes and like why he has to obey the laws of gravity, okay? <laughs> but because I love him and he's my little guy, I don't get impatient with his questions. And, I, and, and so I, I want you to hear the heart of God because what he's about to say to the rich young ruler is really difficult and it's gonna actually be difficult for us. Okay, but you have to understand he looked at him and he, and he loved him and so I want you to know that that's the heart of Jesus. He, he's looking at you through the lens of, of love, not through the lens of your mistakes, okay? He's, he, he wants to show you mercy. He wants to bring you home. He, he's not waiting for you to blow it again. He's patient and he's kind. And he looks at this young man with all of his wealth and all of his power, and he can see that he's still clueless. But he loves him, and he gets right to it. Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you wanna be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. My next thought this morning, the cost of discipleship is a king's ransom. So King's Ransom, if you study history, a conquering nation would, would, would invade and, or they'd be on the battlefield and if they captured the king, okay, they would basically sell the king back to his home nation for a ridiculous sum of money. I read one account during the, um, um, during the Crusades where England paid a ransom for their king at the time that was more than half of their um, gross domestic product for a whole year. It was just a gargantuan, Herculean, ridiculous, cartoonish amount of money. That's what a king's ransom is. Are you getting that? Okay. The cost of discipleship is a king's ransom. So it's really mis- easy to misinterpret this to make it solely about money. It's not solely about money. And Jesus will talk in the next few verses about the effect of money on the human heart. I talked about that last week. That's not our focus today. Jesus isn't after this guy's bank account, okay? It's not about his bank account. It's about his heart and it's about his identity. Jesus is striking at the thing that he loves the most. He's striking at his heart. The thing that, the thing that is sitting on the throne of his life is his money, his comfort, the ease of his life, his influence. And it's a quick interaction but in, and in this momentary exchange of this man on his knees with sincerity, Jesus with love is just obliterating, obliterating two of the most cunning deceptions that have ever been perpetrated on, on, on spirituality, on Christianity in all of human history. And they are this. One is that you must work to earn your salvation. We took care of that one, right? But the other is that really following Jesus won't cost you everything. So the enemy of your soul, what he wants to do is he wants to spin you off into a ditch one way or the other. And one way is that I gotta work to earn it and the other way is, is that, I, that it's free. 
Salvation is free, but being a disciple of Jesus, really following him, really living a life that's surrendered to him, that costs everything. If I can just do enough, if I can just pray enough, if I can just do this, then God's gonna be okay with me. We gotta talk, we gotta talk about it. We gotta, we gotta go to this side for a minute because there's people in this room, you grew up in a super legalistic background, okay? You grew up in a, like, a, like, like maybe, maybe it was a, a, a pastor or a priest or maybe it was your own parents and they used scripture to like, like just hammer you, okay? They, like, they tied your salvation to the length of your skirt, right? And look, I, I, I wanna get you off of this hamster wheel of legalism where you just spin yourself to death. That's not the heart of God. If I just do this, if I just work hard enough, if I just perform enough, then God will finally love me and he'll finally bless me and nothing ever terrible is gonna happen to me. I'll just spin myself to death until Jesus comes back. Listen, I love you with the love of the Lord. Listen, <laughs> listen. Jesus, he, he loves you. He's, he's singing a love song over your life that he penned with his own blood. Yeah, that's right. He paid the price for the skirt. <laughs> but the enemy of your soul wants to spin you out over there in some performance thing that you'll never, ever, ever get there. So that's one ditch, okay? That's one ditch, but we gotta talk about the other one, okay? And, and the ditch over here is, you know what? I've got my plans. I've got my dream. I've got my thing. And I just want a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in on the top. And listen, just a little Jesus, just a little side order of Jesus, just a little bit of Jesus. Just a little service. It's huge right now in the church in America, okay? If you wanna grow a big church, here's the, here's the formula, okay? You gotta shorten down your services. You gotta keep it tight, okay? You need about an hour and eight minutes, okay? You sing about two and a half songs. You gotta go quick. Don't talk about money real quick, okay? And then about 22 minutes of preaching and then you gotta get them out the door because they don't wanna sit for very long. You gotta flip the parking lot and, then you, and that's, how, that's the formula, okay? So that you can get a lot of people in your building, okay? And you can build a mega church like that but you're not gonna build disciples like that. Just a little Jesus, just a little side order of Jesus, just a little sprinkle in of Jesus. I just want a little bit. I just want an additive to my life. I've got my thing. I've got my, my desires, my appetites, my plans, and I'm working all that out, but I want to feel good about it, so I'll just get a little side order of Jesus. What must I add, he said to Jesus. What, what, what do I lack? What, what must I add? can live for my own appetites and I can still be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus can just be an addition to my dream. And let's hear the heart of God. That's, just, that's not the real Jesus, friends. That's, that's another gospel. That's a different gospel. Paul warned about other gospels when, he, when Paul was still alive. He said, he said, watch out. He said, watch out for those mutilators of the flesh. They were the ones that over in this ditch. They wanna add a bunch of stuff to Jesus. It's Jesus, There's, there, it's Jesus, but you better keep all the commands or you're out of the club. So, so that's a different gospel. This gospel over here, the gospel of accommodation, the gospel of drive-through Jesus, that's another gospel too. And, and they even talk about a little bit of Jesus. They even talk about a cross, but they never talk about yours. Listen, we've seen the rise of other gospels. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm telling you this because I love you. Because listen, if I'm gonna be your pastor, okay, then I've gotta shepherd you and the shepherd keeps you from going in the ditch. So I don't want you in this ditch. And, and, and for the, with all the love of the Lord, I don't want you in this ditch. We've seen the rise of a lot of other gospels, the prosperity gospel. If you just send me a check, call the number on the bottom of the screen, you're gonna, get, you're gonna, you're gonna be rich beyond your wildest dreams. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. We've got the progressive social justice gospel. We've got the Fox News gospel. And yes, the gospel of addition. That your dream is preeminent. It's all about your dream. It's your best life now. That your thing, your, your desires are preeminent and you can just add Jesus to your pursuits and your plans. You get to be the Lord of your life. Then Jesus is just along for the ride. 
Oh, listen, friends. Jesus wasn't after this young man's wallet. He was giving an opportunity. He's giving us an opportunity this morning to have the most glorious, beautiful adventure in life. He was offering him a real, abundant, and eternal life. He's pulling back the veil and saying, I am God. But, but here's the truth. I'm a consuming fire. I'm jealous. I will not take second place to the idols in your life. Deuteronomy 4.23 says, are you guys still awake? Are you okay? We can do this. <laughs> okay, just had to unwind the tension in the room because I was feeling it. Deuteronomy 4.23. Be careful not to forget the covenant of your Lord, your God, that he made with you. Do not make yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Listen, the moment that, that the Holy Spirit opens you up to the gospel and it becomes real and you repent of your sins and you put, you put your trust and your faith in Jesus and, and, and you confess him with your mouth as Lord of your life, the divine life of God comes into you and you pass from death to life. And Jesus at that moment, the Holy Spirit at that moment begins the process of making you a disciple. And there's blessing and there's purpose and there's abundant life, all of those things. But the heart of God for the rich young ruler and for you this morning and for me is that Jesus is saying, I must be first. I must be first. The cost of discipleship is a king's ransom. It costs a lot. It costs everything. And here, the heart of God, Jesus doesn't want to snatch things from you. He's not cruel but he wants this willingness to lay everything down at his feet and say, not the things that I want, God, what you want, God. Not my plan, God. Not the things that I've built my whole identity around and made, made everything, God. Not those things. I will lay that down. And listen, I know of what I speak for 20 years. All, I, I, I had that guitar in my hand and I led worship. It was a good thing. It was a gift from God. I loved it. 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 And one day God said, guess what? It's too much in your life. And I couldn't even see it in the moment. It was like somebody died. I would when God called me here and I heard from the Lord, I would cry, I, would, uh, I don't know if I've ever said this, I would cry on Markham Woods Road because all I wanted to do was still do this. It was like it was, I loved it. But like Abraham with Isaac, he made me march up the mountain and say, okay, you're gonna lay that thing on the altar. And it's not dead, it's not dead, but I know what I'm talking about. Jesus says, I want to be everything. I, you can't place worship on any other thing. I don't want you to build your identity around anything but me, the Lord is saying. You're first, God. Your plans, your way, not my way. I give you control, God. I'm releasing control of all of these switches and levers that I have to pull to try to make this thing work, God. I'm giving you control. It's yours. Are you getting this? Say yes. In Matthew 16, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what, for what is a man profited if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's all through this book, friends. It's the story of, of God calling a man and a woman and calling them. God calls people like Moses out of the comfort of the palace and his whole identity, and he calls them to the backside of a desert, okay? He calls them so that he could step into his destiny. He called Abraham out of a land that he knew into uncertainty. He called him so that he could realize his calling. And then, and then when he gave him the promise, he called him again and said, march up the hill and sacrifice that son. God called Gideon out of hiding on a threshing floor and said, come on out, I need, you're gonna be a mighty man of valor, but you gotta come out from where you are. Jesus called his disciples away from their livelihoods, even their families, to follow him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his classic, The Cost of Discipleship, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And so, and look, I know this is a hard word, but I'm gonna stand before God and give an account for your soul. And did I just give you, like, tickle your ears and make you feel good and make you wanna high five and, and walk out the door? Or did I give you the truth, friends? Listen to the heart of God, okay? As your shepherd, I don't want you in, in, in the ditch of legalism. I don't want you over there. I don't want you living in that performance and you're never gonna make it and 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 that you're stuck there. 
Because you know what's in that ditch? Self-righteousness and judgment and prejudice and self-loathing. And look, I sure don't want you over in this ditch. You know what this ditch is called? The Church of Laodicea. The water's always nice and lukewarm. And over there in that ditch, Jesus is just an addition. I just sprinkle him in and I post a Christian meme once a month and that's my faith. Listen, that's not the way of Jesus. That's just your way. It's your way. Worship team, will you come? So then Jesus gives this little teaching on money. He says, it's really hard for, for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven and, and we just won't park there. I talked about it last week. Money just has this way of just infecting the heart and making itself God, right? We talked about that last week. So this message is not about money. I'm not trying to manipulate you. We already took the offering, right? Yeah. <laughs> this message is about the cost of discipleship, of really following Jesus and and. and tearing down the idols in our lives. And the rich, young ruler, his idol was his money and his power and the ease of his life. And when he came face to face with Jesus, he just couldn't let it go. So I have to ask the question, okay, if, for all of us, if you were face to face with Jesus this morning, with the one whose eyes burn like fire, what would be the thing in your life? And maybe it's a good thing. But, you, but somehow through the momentum that it's taken for you to live your life, you've constructed an altar around that thing and you're worshiping it as God. And listen, I could think of 10 situations. Okay, we got a child who's, who's got some medical stuff and just from the, the, the gravitational pull of that situation, like that can become all consuming. Homeschooling six kids can become all consuming. Being a pastor and writing sermons can be all consuming. Um, having a business can become all consuming and none of those things are bad, they're all good and they're all necessary and they're all right. But Jesus wants to do a heart exam on us this morning and so if you were standing face to face with him, what's the thing that he put his finger on and say, this is in front of me and I will not be second place. Last part of the text. I love Peter. Peter's awesome. He says, he says okay, Jesus, what about us? We, we've left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? And here's the beautiful part, the beautiful invitation this morning. Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones. We're gonna rule and we're gonna reign with him, friends. He says, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers, wives, children or fields will receive, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. It's my last thought. If you can write stuff down in the dark, a king's ransom is pennies in heaven. A king's ransom is pennies in heaven. First Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. What is waiting for us in heaven is better than anything we could ever ask, ever imagine. I mean, have you ever given your kid a Christmas present and it's like the one present? Like, they didn't think they were gonna get it. It was like the impossible thing. And then when they open it, they're doing this and they're like, oh! Like, it's like freak out, like visceral reaction freak out. Have you ever seen like, it, like video of like the broke college student that's living on ramen noodles? I mean, they're broke as a joke and the grandparent swoops in and hands them the keys to a car. They bought them a car so they could get around to college and you see them just crumble and break and cry. You ever seen one of those? Or the video of the basketball player who's fine, he's made it big and he's got a single mom who worked her fingers to the bone, worked three jobs, killed herself, took years off her life to get him, run him around to AAU tournaments and he made it big and when he hands her the keys to that brand new house, it says, here you go mom. I've gotta tell you friends, what's waiting for us, if we will 
If we will lay ourselves on the altar and be willing to say whatever it is, God, wherever you tell me to go, whatever you tell me to say, I'll say it, I will do it, I will let go of everything. What's waiting for us is it, it's better than any of those gifts that I described. It's the kind of thing where we're gonna fall on our face as if we're dead and say, I can't believe you're this good, God. I can't believe you're this good. And it's so hard, it's so hard even because we're just so consumed with this reality. We're so consumed with, with the things of this life that it's hard to even like reach out and touch that, friends. But that's the message of this book, the reward. There are blessings now. There are rewards now. There is fulfillment now, but the real blessing is not here. The real reward is not here. It's just a glimmer. It's just a picture of what we're gonna have when we're with him. And it's forever, it's forever and ever. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. The king's ransom is pennies in heaven. We're not even gonna, it, it, it's gonna be laughable, the things that we had to give up to truly follow him. Will you stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Nobody moving around for just a second. We got two minutes. Just for a second. Can you close your eyes all across this room? So I asked the question once, but I gotta ask it again because my, my, as I prayed and as I prepared and really wrestled, wrestled with this all week, it was like, okay, God, if one interaction, this one interaction, this young man left sad and walked away from eternal life. That means that in this room, as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been putting things on people, the finger, he's been, he's been pointing on things in your heart and saying this thing has erected itself as more important. This thing has, it has taken preeminence in your life. And he's, he's looking at you this morning with love and with mercy and with patience. He's not wanting to judge you, but in these next few minutes as the worship team plays softly with your eyes closed, what I'm asking is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you specifically on those things. That we would, that we would meet the real Jesus for just a moment. We'd have a, an encounter, a transaction where we say, okay, God, I know for me for a season it was worship leading. I just, it was, it, I would rather sit and play and sing and I was singing to him, but it was really, it was just about me And I didn't have ears to hear it at the time. And so he took it. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just breathe over this room right now, God. We're not in a rush. We've got a few minutes, God, to give you. Pray that you would speak to people right now, Holy Spirit. I can't manufacture, God, you speaking to people, so I'm asking that you breathe right now, God. By your voice, God. By your spirit. some of you, it's just time to tear down the, that altar that you've built to that thing. It's time to tear it down and say, God, I, I'm, I'm giving you preeminence in my life again. I'm giving you the first place, God. My identity, God, my, my, I haven't trusted you as my source, God. I've trusted my own abilities, God, and, and I want to put you first in my life again. I want you to be on the throne of my life, Jesus. Maybe you're in this place and the front end of this service, there's an itch that you can't scratch, there's an, there's an ache in your soul and you need Jesus. You need to meet Jesus. Well, this is the perfect place because he's here right now. And just like for me, 21 years ago, I walked into this room addicted to cocaine and I got radically transformed right here in the front of this room. That same chance is here for you this morning if you'll say yes to Jesus. Because that, that great ache of, of your soul it only has one remedy, and that's Jesus. And for some of you, you've just been spinning with activity. In addition, you're in, you're in one of the two ditches, and you just need to come out this morning. I just want to release you 
I just want to, the Holy Spirit just wants to release you from that bondage of legalism. And the Holy Spirit can do that in an instant. He can set you free. And, and for those that are in the ditch of addition, I'm not gonna march you up here and make you promise I'm gonna do better. But hear the cry of God to say he wants to be the first thing in your life. He, want, he wants to really know you and walk with you and speak to you and, and, and fill you with his spirit. So with every eye closed in this place, if, you just, if you're comfortable, if you'll just lift your hands, if you're uncomfortable, don't do a thing. This is just a visible sign of Jesus. I surrender, I'm listening. We're gonna sing for just a moment. And I'm believing there's gonna be some transactions that take place in this room. Just for two minutes or so, three minutes, we're gonna sing this chorus, Jesus, I need you. And if you've erected a monument to something that's not God and you need to lay it down, lay it down this morning. just want to surrender and consecration to the Lord. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I give you my heart again. Forgive me, God, for building an altar that wasn't for you. I want you to be first, God. I want to submit to your will. I want to submit to your plans. Would you change me, God? Fill me, Holy Spirit. Draw me close to you again, God. I need you. Consecrate myself to you. I belong to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I just pray for every person within the sound of my voice right now, God that you would help us, God, change our appetites, Lord. May the, may the lifeless things of this world that draw us away from your heart, God, lose their taste, God, in our mouths, in our minds, God, in our eyes, God. Would you change us, God? Would you draw us closer to you, God? Give us an appetite for your word and for your presence that's greater than the things of this world, God. We love you, Jesus. We need you, God. Father, I bless every man, woman, and child in this room, God, with the peace of God, with the rest of God. May they leave this room, God, challenged to find you, God, 
and not condemned. May they leave this room, God, more full of promise and of hope and of purpose and of destiny, God. I pray for the release of giftings that are in this room, God, for a release of boldness in the lives of your people, God, to be your expression to the world, God, an expression of love and not of judgment, of mercy and not of anger, God. Father, I pray a blessing, God, over, over their children and their grandchildren, God. May we raise up children and grandchildren that are gonna change this, our communities and our cities and our nation for you, God. May you pour out your spirit, God. Father, we lift up the panhandle, God, and some 2,000 people that are, or 1,500 people that are still missing, God. Would you reunite loved ones, God? Will you rebuild that community? And on the other side of this, God, would there be a revival, God, in the panhandle? Lord, would you pour out your spirit in that whole region, God, in Alabama and in Georgia, God? I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that's broken today, God. May you touch them right now, God. That's hurting right now, may you touch them, God. For every person that looks in the mirror and doesn't like what they see, God, I pray that you would transform what they see, God, that they'd see what you see, that they're beautiful, that they're whole, that they're the righteousness of God, that they're a son or a daughter of God. Thank you that you're releasing the shackles of legalism, God, this morning. Thank you, God, that you're, that you're tearing out that spirit of religion, that judgmental, that political spirit, God, that, that, that it can't stay in this house. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna release you in just a moment, but I wanna do this, listen. For two, or, for two or three groups, the first one is, if you're away from Jesus and you came with a friend or you're a guest this morning, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm gonna release the whole service, but there'll be some of us at this front, myself, some of our leaders, I would love to pray with you to, to reconnect with Jesus. Maybe you served him at one time and you're, you're, just, off, you're just off track and you wanna, you wanna give your life back to Jesus. It's the greatest joy of my job of my role is to reconnect your heart to Jesus. Or maybe you've never met him, you've never committed your life to Jesus. I don't want you to miss your moment this morning. And so I'll wait for you at this front. If you're hurting this morning and you just want somebody to come alongside you and pray with you, we're here to pray with you this morning.